Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Well, we are in the fourth week of our sermon series, The Church We Build. Have you enjoyed this so far, church? I've really enjoyed it. I think bringing clarity to our assignment has been so important for us. Bringing clarity to the assignment of the church of Jesus Christ and what we're meant to do on this great planet. And, you know, the first week we talked about that we are meant to be a house of worship. The second week we talked about that we have a spirit of welcome home. Last week we talked about that we are a people on purpose. Does anybody have purpose today? Living on purpose. And this week we're going to be talking about faithfulness. And there's a lot that I want to talk about. So I'm going to jump right in. Hebrews 3, 1 through 6 says this. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in this heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. That word therefore is so important to see because in the chapter before, they're talking about the sacrifice that Jesus made and the humanity that he held. So they're saying, fix your eyes on Jesus and his example. Verse 2, he was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was faithful. Everyone say faithful. In all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses just as the builder of the house was greater, has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house if we indeed hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. The title of my message today is, The Church We Build Requires Faithfulness. Nothing flashy. It requires faithfulness. Let me pray one more time before I preach the word. Lord, we're just grateful for this environment we get to come together. To worship you. To experience your presence in a, in a gathering to have a great atmosphere of faith as we worship and we're just grateful. Today, Lord, I pray that our ears would be open, our hearts would be softened, we'd be ready to receive everything that you want to say today. Anoint ears, anoint my voice to speak it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Requires faithfulness. Faithfulness. Someone asked me this last week, uh, are you loving winter in Florida. Are you loving winter in Florida? And I was like, absolutely, 100%. See, we love being outside. We love being out with our family, being as loud as we can be. We're in the backyard eating dinner every night. We're out swinging on our swing. We love it. It's a little bit cooler now, so it feels really good to be outside, right? We got away from the surface of the sun just for a couple months, and we're loving it. I get to wear jackets, layers. Thank you, God, for layers. You know what I'm saying? But the reason I said that I love it was not necessarily just looking at Florida. See, I'm from a place where 
you know, most of the time, three times a week, I would have to shovel snow every morning. See, most of you Florida people don't understand this life. You don't get this life. You have to get up at 4 or 5 in the morning and unbury your car to be able to leave your house in the morning. This is winter. Valentine's Day snows. Here it's like sunny and you're out just like walking along the ocean, living the dream. Back on our Valentine's Day, we'd have to unbury our cars in the morning. Happy Valentine's Day. But it's, you know, it's interesting. It's different. We, we used to have this thing in our household where my dad would say, before you can go anywhere, it doesn't matter where, school, church, whatever, you have to shovel the driveway. Because what happens is in the day it warms up a little bit, all the snow melts, and then it gets colder again, and it makes a sheet of ice. And that sheet of ice, if you let it stay, will stay the entire winter. So every time my dad was there, we would shovel the driveway. There was one time they went on a trip, and I remember my dad saying, make sure you guys shovel the driveway. A couple days in, we had a massive snow. I think it was 18 inches. We all got up late, late for school. What did we do? Left the snow. Came back that day to a massive sheet of ice. And for the rest of the winter, there was ice on our driveway as you're driving in. It was a terrible, terrible experience. You guys don't know about that if you're from Florida. You know what I'm saying? I know we have some people from New York. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But you probably didn't have a driveway. But that's okay. <laughs> See, unfaithfulness, even in the smallest, most unimportant ways, has an effect on our lives. So how much more... Is it the case when it's important? With the small areas of our life when we're unfaithful has massive impact. So how much more is it the case when it's important? See, here's a great principle to live by, church. Unfaithfulness leads to destruction. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Unfaithfulness leads to destruction. Faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. And fruitfulness plays, and faithfulness plays into every part of our lives. Your mental health, when you think good thoughts, when you have a good counselor, when you read a good book, when you fill your mind with good and holy things, you're going to see fruit. When you're destructive to your mind and you talk yourself down and you fill it with garbage, there's going to be destruction. With your emotional health, when you're around good people that uplift you and encourage you, when you protect what's coming into your ear and it's good things... Your emotional health leads to fruitfulness. But when you're around bad people, bad company, people, people speaking wrongly about you, discouraging you, you're going to see destruction. With your physical health, right? When you eat good things and you work out, you're going to see fruitfulness. When you eat bad things and you don't work out, there's going to be destruction of your body. Spiritual health, when you're around believers, when you come to church, when you pray, when you worship, when you further your relationship with the Lord, you're going to see fruit. But when you stay away from the church, when you stop reading your Bible, when you stop worshiping, you stop praying, there's going to be destruction. See, when you're unfaithful with those areas, they all start to slip. So how much more in building the church of Jesus Christ do we need faithfulness? How much more do we need faithfulness from each and every one of us? So in this scripture we read, Paul is speaking to the Hebrew church, helping them to understand the importance of their faithfulness in building the house of God. 
it can be said that the audience of Hebrews were working through accepting Christ's superiority over the law and angels. And he's giving them reference to the faithful ones that have gone before them. In this letter, he starts off by telling the church to fix their eyes and thoughts on Jesus, who is greater than Moses. See, their, their past would have been focusing on the law that Moses would have brought. They would have remembered, that's the way we live. That's the way to live for God is by the law. And yet, Paul is trying to get them to understand that Jesus now triumphs over the law. He triumphs over the angels and all the things that come before. And now Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So it says in verse 1, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was the faithful one who appointed him. So let me bring some clarity to this for a second. I promise we're going to get there, and you're going you're to understand faithfulness a little bit more, but I think it's important for us to lean into this. This scripture explains Christ's humanity in the fact that he had free will to choose if he was going to be faithful or not. He had free will to say, I'm going to be faithful to the call that God has on my life, or I'm not going to be faithful. And yet what it says is that he was faithful. And then it goes on to say, we acknowledge him as our apostle, and high priest. See, an apostle were the front runners of preaching the gospel. An apostle would have been known to all these people by all the people spreading the good news around the region. So they're saying, Jesus is this great apostle. And the high priest was the one who could go into the Holy of Holies once a year and give atonement, which is payment, for the sins of themselves and for all the Israelites. So what they're saying in this moment, what Paul is saying is Jesus is our apostle in bringing us the gospel and showing us the way of salvation. And he's our high priest, which made atonement for us, which covers all of our sin once and forevermore. He entered humanity to atone our sins, to show us how to live, and to invite us in relationship with the Father. It says in John 14, 6 through 7, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So now we understand that Jesus is, it, it comes to Jesus. He is, he was fully man and he is fully God. It all comes down to him. He was our great apostle spreading the good news of now you don't have to come to God through the law. Now you can come through Jesus. And he's the high priest who came and once and for all made a great sacrifice for our lives. Do we see this together? So Paul is saying, fix your eyes on the perfecter of our faith. In verse 2, he being Jesus was faithful to the one who appointed him. See, there's so much power in this, and he really is the perfect example for us. But get this, church. Paul then makes this faithfulness accessible by showing an example of a regular man that lived a faithful life in building the church. He brought the example of Moses. He brought it from the Godhead. He brought it from the one who came to save us all down to a man and said he's been faithful. In verse 2, just as Moses was faithful in God's house. See, Moses was the one who performed more miracles than most people. It, it's recorded that he actually performed 42 miracles in his life. From all of the plagues, from the rock splitting water coming out, the Red Sea, manna coming from heaven. List them all. We could spend the rest of our time talking through God working in and through this man. It even says it 16 other times in his life when he was just around people. When he was in the presence of other people, there were miracles that happened. 
So we can look back at this guy, the guy who brought the law. Do you see this? The guy who brought the very law that they were living by for all of these years. Moses, a great father in the faith to all these people. And Paul makes this kind of faithfulness accessible to us. So we see both Jesus and Moses were faithful to God. However, Moses was faithful as a servant of God, and Jesus was faithful as a son of God. Moses was faithful as a servant of God, and Jesus was faithful as a son of God. Am I losing you yet? I promise we're going to get somewhere with this. Put your seatbelts on, church. Put your seatbelts on. Verse 5. This is where it gets good. Verse 5. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house. Bearing witness. Everybody say bearing witness. To what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house if we indeed hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. See, Moses remained faithful as a servant in all of God's house. And he bore witness to the words of the Lord coming to be. This is super key. Lean in. If you're not leaning in, if your ears aren't open, lean in right now. Moses saw a picture of all the things to come by the word of the Lord. Moses had a picture, a glimpse of all the things to come by the word of the Lord. It said this, bearing witness to what would be spoken. Hear me say this, church. Faithfulness is possible by the God-given picture in your head. Faithfulness is possible by the God-given picture in your head. If you have nothing to aim for, you'll miss every time. You'll miss every time. When planting the church, Brianna and I had this clear idea of the church we wanted to shape and create. We sat down together the first night when we said, uh, we want to we move to Tampa and we want to plant this thing. I remember sitting down and we wrote out a calendar of what the first year would look like. We wrote down a calendar of all the positions and, and when we needed those positions to be filled by and all the money we needed to raise and a rough budget for things and you know all the different events from, from interest meetings to interest services to culture nights to team nights, all these things. Planting a church is crazy. I'll show you the plan if you ever want to see it. But I remember the first night that we actually got to chat with the walkers. You guys want to wave? These are our creative pastors. We love them so much. Give it up for them. Incredible. I remember the first night that we sat on uh, FaceTime with them. It was about an hour long. And, you know, it, beginning it was so fun, lots of jokes. By the end, their eyes were wide open and just kind of looking at us. And uh, we, we put a lot of stuff out there. Hey, we're going to build this kind of church, and this is what we're going to do, and this is what we want the worship community to look like, and we're going to be a house of worship, and this will, how, this will be how it sounds, and this is how we want you to shape your, your volunteer team. Well, when we moved here, we sat in our kitchen, and I was like, what do you guys think? Are you excited? And they were reminding us that they were actually a little bit terrified in that meeting <laughs> because we were a little bit overbearing, right? Because maybe the culture looked a little bit different than maybe what they were used to of how it operated, and they were like... Maybe we didn't, want, we didn't think this would change that much or we didn't think it would be that different, right? But you know what happens now? Every time that we talk on the phone, we talk usually once a week, if not more. We talk about and celebrate all that God is doing in and through our church. Every single time, they are stoked, right? We are stoked. What God is doing and how, what he's building and the people that are coming out. We're a church plan of a couple of months and we have worship like that. That's insane, I might be the only one that thinks that, but I'm like, that's crazy to me of what God is doing in and through our house. But we have to get a clear picture. 
We have to know what we're aiming for. And when you have a picture of the goal, you now can operate in faithfulness. Thankful for us, Jesus gave us a picture. It's to build the church of Jesus Christ. To see the gospel move forward across the face of the earth. To go into all the nations and make disciples of every nation. We have a very clear picture. Caitlin, did you get that picture of that cake? <laughs> Publix cake, guys. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, God. 1099. All your birthdays have been blessed this last year because of Publix. Cookies and cream. Little Oreo on the top. Thank you, God. Let's just say for a second as an illustration, as an example, that this cake is the complete church that Christ wants to build. It's cake. You know what I'm saying? It's sweet. It's delicious. What God wants to do. This is the church and the completion of what God wants to do. Can you picture it with me for a second? A church that reaches people for Jesus. A church that disciples people. A church that reunites families. A church that brings people together in marriage. A church that saves marriages. A church that shows children the way to Jesus. A church that worships in spirit and in truth. A church that shows children how to be disciples. A church that is living, living with heaven written on their lives. A church that welcomes his kingdom and his will be done. A church that evangelizes. A church that eradicates homelessness in the city. A church where miracles take place. A church that plants other churches out of it. And a church that reaches the world for Jesus. We could keep going. I could keep talking about all the things that God. Addictions will be broken in this house in Jesus' name. Imagine the church that in worship addictions are broken. Imagine the church where people see supernatural miracles in worship. Imagine that kind of church, what he's called us to. Imagine. So we have to start down this journey of faithfulness. Start down the journey to seeing this great fullness come to be. And we got to start somewhere, right? And I got this little illustration for us. Let's say this rope is the journey of your faithfulness. Let's say this rope is the thing in which, the path in which we need to take to achieve faithfulness. Are you with me, church? Before we start down this, I need to actually admit something to you, if that's okay. Can I admit something? Can we, can we have an honest conversation? About once a month, I get on a kick of getting absolutely fit for the kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I get out there in the morning. I'm like, granted, today's the day. No more sugar. No more gluten. No more deep fried, Lord. And what I do is I get my running shoes on, and I go run about a mile straight. What happens after that? I'm exhausted. Oh, my gosh. I'm completely, I am absolutely exhausted. By the end of it, I come into the house. I'm dying. I got shin splints. I'm used to just riding our little elliptical in our room. I got a little kettlebell. I'll do a little bit of exercise. And most of it, most of my exercise is just playing with my kids. You know what I'm saying? That's my life right now. But I'll get on this kick. I'm going to go out and be fit. You know what happens, though, is it takes me about three days to recover. On the fourth day, I completely have forgotten. I'm back to sugar, and I'm back to riding my elliptical. It's enough, Lord. The reason is, is I get burnt out. I get burnt out. 
I worked out too hard. Maybe don't have the strength to get back up again the next day. You know, I think that so often we can look at church like that. We can look at church like, I've done all these things. I went too hard for a season, and I got burnt out. Can I tell you that at Grace City, Tampa, I've said this from the very beginning. Everybody could attest to this. I actually don't believe in burnout. I know that might offend somebody in here who has been burnt out. I don't believe in it. I believe in poor stewardship. I believe in poor stewardship. Poor stewardship of yourself and poor stewardship of leaders leading you. That's what I believe in. It didn't just happen to you. You didn't just get burnt out. You didn't steward yourself correctly. You need to let your yeses be yes and your noes be noes. It's okay to say no in church. Oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble in here. You know what I mean? We're not going to have people showing up to do setup. It's okay. It's okay to say no in church. It's actually a beautiful thing. If you haven't filled yourself, if you haven't fed yourself, if you haven't led yourself with your relationship with Jesus, if you haven't prayed this week, if you haven't spent time with the Lord, if you're not filled up to overflowing, you got nothing to give. Steward yourself. Come ready to give out of the overflow. And you need to be stewarded correctly. One of the things we say in Grill Track every single time is, we don't need you, we want you. It freaks people out every time. It freaks people out. They're like, what do you mean? I mean, this is our membership class. Hello? This is like where we go, hey, you want to be a part of this thing? You want to partner with us? Come to Growth Tracks. It's the, it's the front door. It's the back door. You're going to see everything. You're going to ask us questions. And I get up there and I go, hey, I know that we don't have a ton of people serving kids ministry, but I'm not going to require you to do it. I'm going to say, we don't need you. We want you. We don't want you to feel the obligation that ministry should carry this nasty weight with it. It should have levity to it. It should bring life to you, right? When you're pouring in, there should be fruit coming out. That's what it should look like. See, faithfulness to your calling should never be your demise. Faithfulness to your calling should never be your demise. It should be the thing bringing you fruit. It should be the thing bringing you life when you are faithful to your calling. But if you haven't stewarded correctly, you're never going to get there. And faithfulness is only achievable if stewarded correctly. You know, today... Uh, we have Sarah Britz. Would you stand up and wave at everybody really fast? Give it up for Sarah Britz. This is our kids pastor. She took over about a month ago for Caitlin, who has been incredible leading up to now. Um, but she switched over to a new role. And now uh, Sarah has jumped in as our kids pastor. And we honor you and are so thankful for you and all that you do, especially Brianna and I with four kids. Thank you for pouring into our kids. And our kids have never learned more. I try to talk, I try to bring them to the word, I try to show them, you know, the Bible apps, whatever I can do, and every time it's in one ear, out the other, and every day they have something to say about what God is doing, and they can retell the story every week, so we're so thankful for you. That's our kids pastor sitting on the second row. That's our kids pastor. You know what most kids pastors are doing on a Sunday morning is they're in kids ministry, breaking up fights, holding crying babies. A couple weeks ago, we were sitting in a, in a debrief. We always debrief after services, say, how can we get better? What are the things we can celebrate? And I remember looking at Sarah, and I had said, we need to give you a week off. You need to just come sit in. From the very beginning of all of our services, she has been serving in kids. Can we honor her for that sacrifice, for that? We're just so grateful and, and thankful for that. It's amazing. But we said, we need to give you a week off. And we said, come sit in service. See, this is called stewarding somebody. 
this, I, I mean, I honestly hadn't even written my sermon until we had already planned this out and sorted this all out. And I'm just so grateful that it happened today in this place. So practically, how do we stay faithful in building the church? How do we stay faithful in pulling this rope, which is the journey, to see what we've pictured come to be in our hearts? Are you ready? I'm going to try to get through this fast because I know I've been talking a lot. So lean in, take some notes. Here we go. So we're going to go on this journey together. First point is this. Faithful in presence. Faithful in presence. See, your presence actually means something. Believe it or not, being in the right place at the right time actually means something. The scriptures are chocked full of the power of the presence. Matthew 18, 20 says, for when two or three gather in my name, I am there in their midst. Can you believe that? That us coming together with presence with one another brings the Lord into our midst. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up to get meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. They're saying, come together. It spurs you on. It enables you to operate in your calling. Sunday mornings are so important. Your presence here means something. I remember one time walking out of, out of the front door of, of our college. Uh, we had just decided to do a second year of college, had no money in the bank, had nowhere to live. I had to be out of my house by 2 p.m. that day, and I just got a job at the church. It was a miracle day. I'll tell you the rest of the story some other time. But I remember walking out, having nowhere to go, $5 in my bank account, didn't know what to do, but I was at the house of the Lord looking for answers. The housing lady for college walked up the stairs. We told her the miracle how God just provided jobs for us. We told her the miracle how God called us to stay another year for college. And she, she said, you wouldn't believe this. Someone just told me after they paid for the whole summer that they have two spots for you and your friend to live for the entire summer. I was in the right place at the right time. They would have given it to somebody else if I wouldn't have been at the house of the Lord searching for answers. You being in the house means something. Matthew, 20, or Matthew 8, 23, Jesus sleeping on the boat in the midst of a storm. He's sleeping on the boat. There's a big storm around them. The disciples are going through this thing, freaking out, call to Jesus. Jesus comes, and he stills the waters. In a moment, he was in the right place at the right time. So even if you're sleeping, it could mean the salvation for somebody. Don't underestimate your power of the present or of your presence at church. Your faithfulness to be here could mean someone's salvation. And the sweet spot of our gatherings, church, is the body of Christ is when believers are mentally, physically, spiritually present. And this creates an atmosphere of faith. When you lean in like that, there's a great atmosphere of faith. So we're faithful in presence. If you haven't noticed, I've been pulling this rope. This faithfulness journey. So often seems like it takes forever, doesn't it? You just, oh, one pull after another, one Sunday after another. But you know what happens? Hopefully this works, church. You see a part of the cake. Somebody's getting hungry now. God, I thought my faithfulness was going to mean not see the completion. No, your faithfulness takes you on the journey to see God do all that he's called you to do. Number two, faithful in participation. Participation in groups, participation in serving. This is practical today. I hope you're with me. See, there's power, support, and camaraderie 
when we unite together, encourage each other in the journey. Acts 2.42 says this. The starting of the early church, Jesus, Jesus went to heaven, and now the church begins. And what was one of the first things they did? Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. So my kids being all so close in age, uh, every time they walk into a setting where they don't know people, uh, they all have their best friends with them. So when, when it's a bunch of unknown kids, all of a sudden you watch them and they just join together and play the games they've always played. They're all best friends, thank God. And I think so often the same could go for you. When you step foot into the house of God, when you have these people that you call friends, the unknown environments become known. The, the moments where maybe you're timid to step in, you're like, I'm just trying to be faithful coming to church. Now you don't have to be unknown anymore. It doesn't have to feel like an unknown environment. You can be known and known. A little disclaimer for you. I know this is practical, but I'm against cliques in church. I really am against them. Why? Because the word clique actually has in it the definition that it's a, a group of people with the same, uh, same things, that, same interests that exclude other people. It's, it's just a nasty word. But you know what I am for? I'm for circles. I'm for circles of people with the same interests that include. So if there were a holy word for click, it would be circle. Because I think it's important that you walk into church and that you have a group of people that you call friends. I think it's important that you have a group of people that say, hey, I know what you've been going through this last week. We've been praying together. God's going to do something significant in worship in your life today. Participation in groups, participation, participation in serving. See, in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, each one of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. I want you to picture with me if Brianna uh, gave me a new pair of jeans and I took them and I shoved them in my closet and never used them. I wouldn't bless me, I wouldn't bless her, and I wouldn't bless everybody else with these jeans. <laughs> They'd just be sitting in my closet. But that's what people do. They come into church and they're like, I'm going to just watch. I'm going to just receive for year after year after year. This is just for me to be filled up. They got their pants sitting in the closet. They're not blessing their, themselves. They're not blessing their family. And they're not blessing the church with the gifts that God has given them. Sometimes you using your gifts look a little different corporately than if you were to use them privately. But that doesn't mean you still can't find a way to use them. Maybe it just looks different. So we're faithful in presence. We're faithful in participation. It's going to get a little interesting now. Thank you, God, for that table. We're still on the journey. It's taken a while, but our cake is coming into fullness. We have to continue to be faithful. Next one. This is where it's going to get a little interesting in here, okay? Faithful in giving. The word giving means to hand over. See, giving your tithes is about handing over what is already God's and trusting him with that. That's why we use the word giving, not generosity. Generosity is your heart posture towards that gift. You got a good heart posture towards giving unto the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 6 through 8. We've mentioned it so many times over the last couple weeks as a church. But it says this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever gives generously will reap generously. Each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly 
so that in all things and all times, having all you need, you may abound in every good work. So I want you to understand that there is too much at stake for me not to talk about tithes and offerings in church. Too much at stake. There's too much at stake for us to shy around this subject. Too much. Why do I say that? For your own life, you're not sowing and you're not reaping the full harvest that God has for your finances, for your family. If you're not sowing into the church, the church isn't able to push the gospel forward faster. We're not able to reach as many people for Jesus. There's too much at stake for us not to be clear about this in church and what it means for the gospel being moved forward across the face of the planet. There's too much at stake. I will never shy away from it. In growth tracks, I will always talk about it and make sure that you know if you're in, you're in, and now you have to give because I believe in the principle. I cannot tell you this. My first time that I got a, a little allowance, I think I was four years old, and I remember my parents telling me, take a tenth of that, set it aside in this envelope, and you're going to tithe. My entire life, I have never missed tithing. Brianna and I have been married now for eight and a half years, almost nine years, and not once have we missed our tithes. Can I tell you something? Not once have we gone without. Not once. There have been tough moments. There have been moments where we're like, man, this is a true sacrifice to give of this tithe right now. Yet I tell you what, every single time, God has come through. So we're faithful in presence. We're faithful in participation. And we're faithful in our giving. I know this is silly, guys. Come on. It worked out in my head way better. It's okay. But you can see it. I mean, could you put the picture back up there of the cake, please? This is important. 1099 Publix. It's important for you to know that this is the goal. The completion of building of God's great church on this planet. That every eye would see and every ear would hear the gospel message. And it happens as we continue to be faithful time and time and time again. And the last one is this, faithful and commitment. I'm going to invite the band to come up. See, faithfulness actually takes commitment. Your commitment means that even when the road doesn't look like you might want it to, even when it's taking longer, hello, this is a long time, and even when someone offends you, even when your leader disappoints you, you stay committed to building his church. See, commitment is important because we are human. Sometimes you won't like everything that happens here. Sometimes you might think, oh, the pastor said something that offended me. Oh, the worship was too loud or too crazy. See, commitment means no matter what, I'm planting my feet, remaining faithful to where God has called me. If you hear the Lord saying your time is up, then by all means, we send you. Go. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. Don't run away with your tail between your legs. Come say, I feel like the Lord is calling me somewhere else. That's amazing. We're about that. We're about the big C church. We're not about Grace City Tampa being the only thing. We just know what we're called to. And if you don't like this, what we're called to, that's okay. I would encourage you to lean into the Lord, understand your calling, and be faithful in your commitment to building the house. I had a guy talk, uh, tell me a couple of years ago that he doesn't like his wife anymore. And he doesn't know what to do. I remember telling him marriage is about commitment, not liking. Liking is the icing on the cake that makes it all better. It makes it all fun. See, you didn't get into a good time as your grounds of marriage. You got into a covenant between a man and a woman that God has joined together. So if you're not feeling it, get over it. 
Maybe cultivate a little more. Steward it better. Invest in your relationship a little bit better. And you might fall back into like. But love is about commitment. And that's what we're called to in building of God's church. It's easy to feel the same about church. We lose heart. We get offended. We don't like the music or the teaching anymore. You're not being fed. We've all heard that one or maybe said that one. I told you I'm going to offend some people in here. It might get a little crazy. Grace City Tampa is getting crazy today. Let me remind you of this, that this is an assignment. This is a calling. This isn't an experience like going to the movies. It's what you're called to do. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We are building this great church. So, as we've continued along this journey, we've been faithful in presence. We've been faithful in participation. We've been faithful in giving. And we've been faithful in commitment. And we see the completion of the cake, and it might not look exactly like the picture in our head of what we dream. It might be a little bit broken. Hello, that's the church. There might be some knots and some, some things that happened along the way where you got hurt. But can I tell you, we're building the completion of this great church. And you know what all forms of faithfulness have in common? They all take time. They all take time. It takes time for us to be faithful and build what God has called us to build. You might come in here today and go, oh, I just, I thought that, I thought that it was going to be different, or I thought there would be maybe more people, or I thought that, you know, whatever. We are building the church. We are building the church that God has called us to. It might only look like two or three pieces of the cake, but God has a great completion for us. Keep the picture in your head. Hebrews 3, verse 5. Moses was a faithful servant in all of God's house. We're called to faithfulness, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house if we indeed hold firmly to our confidence in which we hope, for which we glory. So, like I said earlier, I promise I'm going to conclude soon. Like I said earlier, both Jesus and Moses were faithful to God. And we are to be faithful servants of God, just like Moses. We hold firmly to our confidence and hope in which we glory. And I want to read one more scripture to you. Hebrews 6, 10 says this. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people to continue and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Someone should get excited in this place of what God is saying to you. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through faith and patience, inherit what God has promised to them. You want to know the beauty of God? He doesn't just stop at what we ask or imagine. Can I tell you this, that we serve a God of Ephesians 3.20, where he says this, he will do exceedingly more than we can ask or imagine. So you came in thinking you're going to build a cake, yet God has a whole other cake for you. He has more in store for you. You came in thinking that this was the end result, that we're only going to have one service as a church, but there are more people to reach in this city that need to hear the gospel message. You came into this place going, I'm ready for, to see all the things that God has. Let me tell you, God has more and more and more and more. We get a picture in our head and he blows our minds every time. This isn't just for the church. This is for your life too. 
This is for your life, for your family, for your marriages, for your friendships. This is for the church. When we're faithful in presence, when we're faithful in participation, when we're faithful in giving, when we're faithful in commitment, we're going to see fruit on fruit on fruit on fruit on fruit. And we just keep being faithful. We just keep being faithful. It's going to take some time. You might have to plant your feet for 20 years. But can I tell you, at the end of 20 years, you're going to look and you're going to see three or four cakes. And you're going to go, I have no idea. All we saw was one cake. And yet God keep, keeps doing what he says he's going to do in remaining faithful. We're going to see fruit. And we're going to see growth. And fruitfulness, or faithfulness always leads to fruitfulness. Amen? Would you stand to your feet as we conclude our service? Would you close your eyes across this room? If there are any of you who, in this moment, heard me talking about this and you go, I haven't even taken the first step in following God, I want to give you the opportunity right here to raise your hand and publicly declare that you want to start down this road of faithfulness into following Jesus. I said earlier that Jesus made an atonement for all of your sins, meaning uh, that everything that you've done, he has washed it white as snow, meaning that he's made it available for you to enter into salvation. So I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, I want to encourage you to raise your hand if you want to give your life to Jesus or if you want to restart your relationship with Jesus, you've been wondering, this is your moment. One, know that God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son to die on the cross so that you could know life in this life and life eternally. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. You don't need to have all the answers. You can just step out and believe. Faith comes by believing, not hearing. So right here, right now, three, if that's you, would you raise your hand? You want to give your life to Jesus? You want to get your, yeah, come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, let's celebrate the people raising their hands. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I saw multiple people raising their hand. This is the beginning of the rest of eternity for you. Welcome to the family of God. So if you need a bite of cake, we got some up here. I'm going to ask everybody in here just to raise your hands. This is an act of surrender. I want to pray over you. This message, what I just spoke. Lord, you see every single person in here. You know our innermost being. This isn't a surface level relationship. You see us and you know us. So right here, right now, everybody on stage, everybody on the floor, everybody in the balcony, right now, Lord, I ask that you would give us the passion and the commitment to remain faithful through our lives in building your great plan. This is it. The church we built, this is it. And we're going to remain faithful no matter how long it takes. I pray, Lord, for faithfulness and presence. I pray that we will stay in the house of God and you will find us here. Better is one day in the house of the Lord than anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. So right here, Lord, I pray for faithfulness and participation. Let us all find a, a way in. Lord, I pray for faithfulness and giving. Lord, let us sacrificially trust you with our lives. And I pray right now for faithfulness in commitment right now. Let, let us be committed to your house and let us see fruit on fruit on fruit on fruit in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's worship together one last time. You are my champion, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. 
Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.